the volume. All right, welcome to another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. Alex Monaco joining you. My producer, Paul Farrington, is on the ones and twos with me for this episode. We are going to do a little bit of a fire drill, we're calling it. Call call it a Chris Berman two-minute drill. Call it a fire drill. Call it a get-to-the-line-of-scrimmage. Peyton Manning, Omaha. We're reading the coverage. We're reading reacting. This is a prop show, but it is an unplanned prop show, meaning my producer, Paul, and feel free to chime in, Paul, here. You're going to throw me, and we're going NFC Conference first. We're going to do this twice on the Moneyline Monaco AMP show. Please throw us a follow, little comment if you are listening. Let us know you like them, you don't. I'm going to give leans, not necessarily bets I'm absolutely slamming, but basically what we're going to do is we're going to go around the NFC globe. Paul's going to throw me a variation of options. Could be give me a NFC West wide receiver prop in which I got to go look through the Niners, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, find a prop, talk it out, give a lean. Am I over? Am I under? Now I'm, I'm kind of an overs guy in the world of props. If you've been listening to me the last couple of weeks. So I am very big on overs. I'll probably be giving leans on overs more than unders, uh, but we're going to go around the NFC, not really a rhyme or reason for how we're going to get to our destination. We're just going to talk out some props. And again, this is on the heels of my top 10 props. I love for this upcoming NFL season. I have broken it down on a nice little 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 show. Make sure to check that out on the Moneyline Monaco feed, all things volume sports. This show, much different, Paul. Feel free to chime in here. I am, as you can co-sign on, underprepared, not underprepared, but I have no idea. I have no idea where you're going. I mean, I don't know. Is this like deal or no deal meets wheel of fortune? I mean, how would you even dress up what we're about to do here? I think it is closer to deal or no deal because, frankly, I have no idea what I'm going to give you yet as well. We'll have to see how the uh, we'll have to see how the board plays out. Um, and when you say that you don't go under a lot, I think you mean you never go. You have what? Maybe one under I, I never the entire on. season. I don't think I ever go. I, 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 I think you on. have one. Yeah. So I'm not anticipating now, and, 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 too much. No, and I will say on on a show like this where we have options, why would I go under? Why would I look for an under if you're giving me four teams in a division to try to find a running back or a wide receiver? I'm looking for over. So we can we can knock that out right there. But yes, this is going to be leans, not official plays, and it's going to be live research. We're going to test my words per minute on the keyboard. We're going to test how fast I can read and react, you know, uh, they call me Django with the rock. We'll see how it goes, how fast I can get to it. Um, but let's you say start you're out, good. Paul. You say you're good. I, I, I doubt a little bit, but from <laughs> what I hear, no one's faster on the keys on uh, on these apps than you are. So you, you ready? I'm ready, baby. Let's dance. All right. Let's start off. Give me a rookie prop bet in the NFC. Woo! few good All rookies. Right. You gave me an easy one out the gate. I appreciate it. That's This is in the communication majors department on campus. You gave me a, a calm 101 here class to walk into. This is this is a nice, juicy board of options for NFC rookies. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least 
briefly glance over a little bit of what I just spoke on. Uh, because again, to think, Paul, that on the, the top 10 props I love, that one of them's actually a rookie bet. I, I got to at least mention it. I'll give you another one. But Bijan Robinson and this move, this was at the beginning of the season, seven and a half rushing touchdowns, Paul. It's now moved to eight and a half, and it's still juiced. This is a guy, and we said it, and I'll repeat myself, but that's fine. A third-ranked all-time Texas Longhorn touchdown running back. Dude had 33 tugs in his career there and 18 in his last season. I mean, look at this top three rushing team from last year. I imagine they're going to use Cordero a lot more in a change-of-pace situation. Algier will probably get swallowed up on the depth chart. But between Cordero, Algier, and Mariota last year, you're looking at eight, three, and four. That's 15 rushing touchdowns between the three guys. And we're looking at a number of eight and a half with a PFF seventh ranked offensive line led by Jake Matthews at the left tackle. I mean, you look at this heavy, this run heavy offense and the investment in a running back, in a non-running back market, in a pass happy league, the Atlanta Falcons doubled down on what they did well. I just had to make mention of that. I love Bijan over eight and a half rushing touchdowns. I think it's absolutely worth a sprinkle. But if we're talking overall upside here of a rookie to hit a prop and it doesn't look great timing wise because he did bang us bang up his wrist. Uh, but the Ohio State has been cranking out wide receivers. I mean, the fact that Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and the Jigba were on, in the same wide receiver room. It almost makes me question CJ Strap. Harrison too, right? Marvin Harrison. Ha Jr. Harrison too. Sure, he he's <laughs> he's the face of the the franchise now there in in the Big Ten. But you know, Jackson Smith sits at about six fifty in a hook, depending where he shot, and. You know, we talked this out, Paul, on the on the the fantasy episode, and you got some sneaky value grabbing Geno Smith very late in your draft. And I don't think people know that for those listening. Geno Smith last year had the number one, number one of all full-time starters, not Mahomes, not Burrow, not Allen, not Herbert. Geno Smith had the most accurate deep ball of any quarterback. Now, deep balls are 20 yards or more. Guy was hitting 47.6, 47.6 and 14 tugs on that thought. To me, with Metcalf and Lockett, Lockett's speed, Metcalf's unbelievable. He's almost Anquan Bolden-esque, but add four inches. Uh, guy's eating gummies for dinner and it's not costing his body dk metcalf he does whatever he wants physical specimen one-on-one -on -one. those two lads with a real kenneth walker backfield i think it's going to open up opportunities for one guy specifically and i do think it's jackson smith and the jigba and 650 and a hook for a guy that can stretch the field for a guy that has very unique speed and you've seen all pro historic wide receivers talk about this guy in different spots. I mean, let's not forget one season, 13 game output at the Ohio State, Paul, 95 receptions on 1606 yards at a 16.9 yards per catch. That number being the most interesting one, almost 17 yards per catch. I believe only Quinton Johnston had a higher yards per catch than JSN coming into this wide receiver draft. 
I love the upside here. This is a guy that is going off fantasy football draft boards. I'm going to give you Smith and the Jigba over 650 and a hook leaning over. How do you feel about that? I like that. I, th- I think that's pretty good. You, you convinced me 100% on Bijan when you were going through uh, when you were going through the Falcons just a second ago. Chris Lindstrom, their right guard, the highest graded run blocker in all of football last season. So Let's you go. mentioned how good that offensive line was in the run blocking game. Uh, it was really just dominant. But I like JSN, 650 in the hook. Um, yeah, you're right. Gino was fantastic. I'm a little concerned whether or not he can repeat his performance, especially early in the season. He was much better than later. Or a lot of it was actually just luck-based. He threw more picks towards the end of the year um, from the luck factor. There's these luck, statistics, luck statistics out there. But I liked it. I like it. Are you ready for another one? Yeah, and I will say... Tread lightly for those who, who who may tail this. He did have wrist surgery, but the way Pete Carroll spoke about him already back at practice, planning on playing against the Rams after surgery, he he's he's healing like you would if you were 21 years old. You know, healing very quickly. <laughs> Break your arm, you're right back. So he's dealing with a wrist injury. Decided to throw that out there real quick, but he, he's already back on the practice field. But I'm ready for another one, baby. Let's dance. I do want to throw out one more piece of criteria for this, which we didn't exactly say in the beginning and maybe we didn't even discuss beforehand. I can't remember, but I don't, I don't want any repeats, Monaco, no repeat teams. So Seahawks are now off the board. We're going profit for every <laughs> Seahawks team. are off the board. Let That's me write rule. it down. Seahawks are off, off the board, baby. I love it. No more Seahawks. Um, I'm so upset. I can't bet another Seahawk prop. I'm just yes. Oh yes. That's tragic. All right. Let's go to, let's go back to the, NFC South now because you ripped off the Falcons with that Bijan prop there. Four new starting quarterbacks with Derek Carr, Desmond Ritter, Bryce Young, and Baker Mayfield. Can you give me one prop bet for one of those quarterbacks? We could be passing yards if we want to get specific. Man, you just love you want to you're you're being a great producer out the gate, Paul, and you're plugging our previous episode because I to me I have no idea about almost this entire group of four the one guy i want to bet on is the adult in the room the married guy with no background of question no no knock to our guy baker ritter we have no idea bryce young inherits a worst time of possession offense with three new Thielen, hurst miles sanders pieces plus a new coach a lot of turnover there Baker Mayfield could damn near be a Band-Aid out the first six weeks of the gate with Kyle Trask waiting in the whim. I mean, have we even seen a O and an R for the word or on a depth chart for quarterbacks in the history of our lives? <laughs> I haven't. So, you know, we know, you know, I plug Bryce Young over out yarding CJ Stroud on the prop episode, but I land on the lily pad of Derek Carr and he sits at around 3,700 and a half passing yards. I believe DraftKings has the best number as it's a little bit lower than FanDuel's. And, you know, this is a guy, Paul, that threw for 4,000 yards four years in a row prior to last. I mean, last year played 15 games, hit 35-22. Guy plays one more, he's absolutely suiting up. Fairly durable. Again, the only cause for concern I had on the prop episode of what I liked, uh, what I was worried about, was that he got in so many shootouts with the Raiders because they have such a lackluster defense. Now they got a top 10 defense and points against coming back with a couple of real, real pro bowlers, one maybe Hall of Famer in Cam Jordan. But I just love the change of scenery. I love that he's going dome to dome. 
He's gone over this number six of the nine years in his career. I, I just think he is Mr. 4,000 yard and Olave, Thomas, couple of tight ends. Uh, you know, you heard me. Re I'm repeating myself here. A real running game with Jamal Williams and Kamara after a three-game suspension. I just think this dude is going to have himself a year. You know I love the Saints to win the South. I got a sprinkle to, to, to answer your question here on Derek Carr in that NFC South for the quarterback. Cross the Saints off the board, baby. What do you think about it? All right. Derek Carr. Fourth lowest off target rate from 2017 through 2021. Last year, 12.7% ranked 25th out of 33 eligible oh, quarterbacks. So wonderful. you're right. He's had, he's been great throughout most of his career. Last year, Josh McDaniels has been a disaster before as, as a head coach. So we'll see if he can bounce back. I like it. I like it. You sold me. All right. Let's move on. Two of the top five rushing quarterbacks last season. We're from the NFC East, Monaco. Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts. I would like a rushing yeah. quarterback prop for one of those two guys. Wow. All right. Well, look, we're doing live research as we speak. Jalen Hurts. I I cannot go with Woody from Toy Story, as you know, I call him Daniel Jones. When we got Jalen Hurts in the fold here, I'm looking at his number. I'm pulling it up right now. And again, this is pending where you shop. But I'm looking at season numbers here for Jalen Hurts. And on a rushing side of things, I mean, this is a guy for rushing yards is at 725 and a half. But I actually feel like the better bet if I, and again, these are leans, but the rushing touchdown number, and it's minus 108 on the over, Paul, 10 and a half. Off a season, career numbers across the board. Should have been the MVP if he stayed healthy. You know, he had 13 rushing touchdowns last year. 13 rushing touchdowns. But what's interesting is that his carries, career high, I mean, they really made an emphasis to involve him in the run game. Now, turnover at the running back position, very much so. Completely different backfield. You can make a case. They now have DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny back there. I believe only Kenneth Gainwell is someone in that rotation from last year's Super Bowl birth team. But I just, I know Daniel Jones is off career highs, but 13 rushing touchdowns. And again, the previous year he had 10, so he would have lost on the hook there at 10 and a half. I think they're going to use Jalen Hurts in the run game just as much as last year. You have the number one offensive ranked offensive line here. So am I going to go with the number one offensive line to back over? Uh, versus taking the New York football Giants offensive line? Absolutely no chance. Now, you can make a case Saquon's the best decoy in the game. That's a reason why DJ hit all, all of those overs on career highs last year running the ball. Daniel Jones is a sneaky athlete. But I, again, it, we go back to fantasy. I, I think about props a little bit in the fantasy world. It's Patrick Mahomes, and then Jalen Hurts is getting drafted second. That is because of his dual threat ability. I got to lean over 10 and a half. For Jalen Hurts, 11 cashes wow. as a ticket. Would you bet that? I I would be hesitant to go in on that with you. It's a lot of rushing touchdowns. I thought you were actually going to go with Daniel Jones. I'm seeing his <sighs> over-under rushing yards at 575 and a half. Last year, now, that he had is low. 708. I know. That's true. That's very true. But, you know, Daniel Jones had a lot of breakaway runs last year. 
breakaway runs. Remember the one he had? Unless that was two years ago. That was two years. I know exactly. Oh, (laughs) that was two years ago. When he he fell down. Right down the middle. And he, he, congratulations, you played yourself. That was hysterical. (laughs) But look, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I'm, I did. I scrolled it real quick. I looked at his four years of running the football and 708 compared to 298 last year, or the year prior. And again, that was only 11 games played. So not a full sample size, but damn near slivered in half. I mean, 13 games, 14 games played in his other two, 279, 423. He's not a guy that you have to worry about necessarily killing you on the ground. He can do it. It's just, that's not his MO. I'm going to, I'm going to always lean a guy that literally is going to run read options. I'm not saying they're not going to. And Dable's an unbelievable coach. Great with the scheme. Top five, you can make a case. I just, again, I'm taking the better athlete. Sue me. No, I I can't. I can't. Uh, I'm going to let, I'm going to let that one stand. I want some. I want some more star power, though. Now that we've mentioned Jalen Hurts, I'm addicted yeah. to this star power uh, that you got going on here. Let's go with a receiver prop. The best receivers left here, I would say, in the NFC, we've got Justin Jefferson with the Vikings. We have Cooper Cup with the Rams and C.D. Lamb with the Cowboys. Those three guys. Uh, who else would there be in the NFC? I guess you could say A.J. Brown's up there, but D.K. Metcalf, sure. they're off the board, so we can't bet them. Those three receivers, Jefferson, Cooper Cup, C.D. Lamb. I'd like one prop for just one of them. Your favorite prop for those three receivers. Well, you already know, uh, and I'm not going to repeat myself. I'll I'll cap myself. I'll I'll hit under of two and a half props from our top 10 favorites um, from last episode. But you already know who's number two on my list. Second favorite prop in the game is Justin Jefferson over 1,400 and a half receiving yards. I, I mean, you have to absolutely take it. But Answering your question specifically, you know, I like to do this. I don't always love it around an injury prone lad. And you can make a case that Cooper Cup is injury prone in his career. But let's not forget what he did in the Super Bowl year, the 2021 season, the triple crown himself. 1,947 receiving yards. On 145 receptions just sick. and six, 16 touchdowns at 13.4 per average catch rate. And he sits right now at 1225 and a hook. I mean, 1226. Again, I can't sit here and say when healthy with almost nobody to throw to. I mean, the Allen Robinson experiment fell on its face. The Odell Beckham injury ended it in LA for him. Stafford is an older guy. And again, you're seeing him on the Matt Stafford pod with his wife talking out how he can't connect with the young lads. It's like, dude, go watch Brady to get that right. But that aside, clearly he's not connecting with anybody younger. If you're hearing that on record, you have to sit here and think that Cooper Cup when healthy is going to be not only a security blanket, but a guy he leans on banks on and absolutely needs to be able to even move the football this season. I mean, the Rams are going to be a dumpster fire pending a Christmas miracle, but 1225 and a hook again, you and I are fantasy nerds. We sit here and we see that Cooper cup is still going ahead of CD lamb in most of these drafts. And that is because we know 
that this dude, and even in a one-off season, not saying moving forward, not saying for their career, but Cooper Cup tit for tat, even against the beast that is Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the league, you can make a case he could out-yard anybody. Any game, any given Pacino Sunday, 1947, I can't get it out of my noggin. And again, not saying that he is absolutely going to slam through this number. It's just a lean over CD on the thought of repeating from previous episodes, JJ and cup and cup. I got to give you Cooper over 1225 and a hook. Would you be comfortable betting that this season? The only concern is the injuries. As you mentioned, he's already a little banged up with the hamstring. I'm also concerned about Stafford getting injured again. So Cooper cup bets. Uh, it's tough. It's fantasy wise. I'm hesitant to take him. And really, no matter where I get him in the first round, I'd still take him anywhere from seven on for sure. But it's just a little bit of a risk. I thought you were actually going to go with receptions at 107 and a half, given Ooh. 145 that he had back two seasons ago. That's where I thought you were going. Yeah, but I mean, it's tough because he does. You look at his numbers in his career from 2017 on and receptions granted again not a full healthy year last year four years he's gone 75 or above three of the last four 90 or above i i got no doubt he's got the volume but you know every single one of his career uh his years paul he's gone double digits in yards per catch i mean you don't see that very often so guys guys got some yak ability catches you know uh, from a guy who can make all the throws, you know, maybe he slams that number. I just feel more comfortable with him playmaking once he gets the ball in his hand, i.e. going yards more than just actual volume. Okay. All right. I'm cool with that. I want to go over now. Let's go to the Bears. Let's go to the Chicago Bears. Ooh, Justin Fields is the most bet on player in the NFL to win MVP next season. Wow, What's your favorite wow, Justin wow, Fields prop bet for this year? Again, you're just leaning one way or the other, so nothing locked in. But when you look at Justin Fields, there's a lot of hype. Will he take the leap forward in year three and, and become a superstar with a wide-open NFC North, really a wide-open NFC? How are you feeling about Justin Fields? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought because this is a guy – that took such a leap running the football. Um, I am not touching any Justin Fields passing props this season. No chance. I'm going to need to be proven incorrect before I do that. Justin Fields passing numbers. Uh, 12 games, 15 games played first two of his career. Barely cracking 2,200. Uh, I mean, no chance. Uh, for a guy after I just got done talking with Derek Carr, he's gone over 4,006 of the nine. Damn near double the output. The reality is Justin Fields is a track star. And Justin Fields, there's there's 40-yard dash speed, and then they're what, what they always compare, Paul, game speed, and they use Jerry Rice's example, because I think Jerry Rice is like a 4-5-40 um, individual. But then when you listen to DBs and people that tried to catch him, there was game speed. And Justin Fields, to me, has game speed. Something you can't really always prepare for. But some of his runs last year, I mean, yeah, his longest run last year was a 67-yard to the house run. That's crazy that a quarterback ran for damn near seven-tenths of a field. But 7.1 yards per carry? Now, I know that outlier of 67 ups that. 
dude had 160 carries as a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that's insanity. Now, I don't know what they're going to be. I think David Montgomery is a sneak. I'm going to go a little bit off the rails here, but David Montgomery is a sneaky potential fantasy running back there here. Who's kind of taking that Jamal Williams role on who led the league in 17 rushing touchdowns last year with a top two offensive line, top five returning this year with the lions. How much did David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert last year add the, the open lanes and the truly having to stay honest on the defensive side. If you're stopping Jay fields from running, that's my only concern here, but I'm looking right now. He's at 800 and a hook rushing yards for a guy that hit 1143 i mean eight touchdowns is interesting let me take a quick look at his rushing touchdowns it's at six and a half it's juicy exact same over under on six and a half as well as total rushing yards if i had to bank on one man I, i really like both I I guess I guess I'd go r- rushing yards just because you know you factor in two elements uh serious red zone threat at, in Montgomery and talking this out with you to steal tugs away from Fields last year but then you're adding a whole year you know Claypool's trade midseason Claypool and DJ Moore how many touchdowns does that take away from Fields rushing touchdowns Maybe that's a wash when you compare it to Montgomery gone because Khalil Her- Herbert is not a bell cow back. But I got to go for a guy that flew over 300 and almost 50 yards more than this number that the books hung. I got to go rushing yards here over 800 and a hook. Which one would you feel more comfortable with? I think I like the rushing yards. He's going to, regardless of how much more talent the Bears got with DJ Moore this offseason, I still think that a lot of this offense is going to bank on fields rushing abilities. The offensive line got better. It's not great. He'll still be scrambling. And a lot of times he's at his best when he makes a play out of nothing. That's when you see a lot of those big yards that are big runs that he breaks out. So I like the 800 and a half a little bit more. It's a high number, but he shattered that last season. Absolutely shattered it. Shattered it, man. I mean, dude, 160 carries. Ha! We should go down off off the mic and look at how many carries he had more than second string running backs. You got to think he'll break out a few big ones too. And those chunk yards, when you're talking about 800 and a half, he has a 50 yard run there. You're, you're really chomping into it a bit. So I'm I'm cool with this one. I'm cool. I don't well, know if quick, I bet it, but you, I like where you, where you go. Well, yeah, real quick, let me ask you as a as a Vikings beat reporter here of of the <laughs> Volume Network. And knowing everything about this division backwards and forwards is not some of this thinking that he's going against. I, I'm sorry, but I, I just don't trust the Vikings D. I certainly don't trust the Lions D. Like he gets to go against, and the Packers are mediocre at best. I is it not? Is Vikings it not thinking defense, a little bit? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think the Vikings defense is probably by far the weakest one going into the season. The Lions revamp. There's a lot. I know you're not sold on it, but they made a lot of really nice moves this offseason. The secondary is completely new, so maybe it'll take a little while to gel, but there's four new guys back there. It's it's not the same unit. We can't look at them the same as last year. And even if we do, towards the end of the season, they were 
close to an average defense the final 10 games when they started winning. Packers, probably the best in the division. The Bears, it's okay, but Fields won't have to go against them. So really, I'm not too down. I'm not extremely down on the NFC North defenses the way I would have been last year because the Vikings and Lions were the two worst in the NFL. Now it's just the Vikings. Uh, so I'm not too inclined to to give Fields too much credit because of the division. If I were, though, it would be his passing yards props because the Vikings, uh, yeah, like he could throw for 350 yards against everyone could. Mike White could and anyone anyone who could throw a football could throw against them. All right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so Seahawks, Saints, Eagles, Rams, and Bears. Lock them, cross them off. Yeah, so we've got five done so far. Let's uh let me ask you a tight end question that will then lead into the next bet I'm asking you for. Between TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, Darren Waller, and Kyle Pitts, which of those tight ends do you think will have the best season in 2023? Great question. Um, this is where I'm gonna be positive about your team. I think it is a perfect time to capitalize on a TJ Hawkinson year. Um, I do think ceiling wise, Waller's got an interesting potential year ahead of him. Injuries are a little concern. And again, Kyle Pitts is the athlete of this group, but Kyle Pitts, I mean, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, This dude was supposed to come out uh, uh, into the league out of a cannon. And all he's done is disappoint, at least in the fantasy world. So I'm not going to do that. And I also am not going to bet on Desmond Ritter to get him the football. No offense to Desmond Ritter. But, I mean, they're going to babysit him, and they're going to run the ball down there in Atlanta. And I I want nothing to do with it. I didn't draft Kyle Pitts in any of my four leagues. I think TJ Hawkinson has to be the guy. I mean, TJ Hawkinson just inked. And you tell me, did he not ink one of the biggest deals in the history of tight ends? I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. Agrees to term on extension. Vikings to sign historic deal for tight ends. And look at what the general manager said. He's the type of player we want in Minnesota. I'm really excited to get it done. He fits our culture. Quickly. Became one of Cousins' top targets in that midseason trade. Uh, 60 receptions, 519, three tugs in 10 games. Dude's a two-time Pro Bowler. He was second among all tight ends last year with 86 receptions. And and that was on two teams. I mean, the fact that, that he was able to be inserted and worked immediately has to tell you a lot right there. Now, 26 years old. In his absolute physical prime, uh, I play in a very expensive Vegas league where tight ends are ranked higher at one half point. So tight ends go early. Guess who the third tight end is taken off the board this season after Kelsey and Mark Andrews? It's your boy TJ Ha. So I would absolutely sprinkle of any of those dudes on TJ Hawkinson. Now, six touchdowns is over unders five and a half. I don't love looking at how much he did not get in the end zone in the beginning of his career. Doesn't really look like one of those tight ends that finds the end zone a ton, um, at least looking back on it. So I'd probably be a little more comfortable. Let's take a look here at 
his receiving yards. I just, you know, Kirk will, I I could see his receiving touchdowns going up a bit. Adam Thielen got a lot of targets in the red zone last year. Yeah. He moves on. So Justin Jefferson will probably assume a lot of those. Jordan Asson's a little smaller. I'm not sure as good as a, a year I think he'll have. I'm not sure how much of a red zone. Uh, threat he'll be now maybe yes because Steelen's also small both great route runners but Hawkinson towards the end of the year did start to get a lot more looks down inside the 20 yard line I, I think back to the Giants game now Colts two-point conversion he had a lot of big catches down there yeah good point um that's why we lean into your Vikings expertise here but he I would probably go receptions over any I'm not seeing him on the reception board so I do think that's an interesting point. Also, JJ doesn't get in the end zone a ton. We've talked that out. Thielen's gone. Pretty good end zone target. Dalvin's gone. So touchdowns need to obviously get sprinkled to new numbers this season in Minnesota and, and an excellent high-powered offense. Uh, I mean, I guess I, you can convince me to go over, over five and a half on the tutties. I, I think that might be safer. I mean, 700... Plus receiving yards here, 750 and a hook to be exact for a guy that has not gone over that number ever. That's 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 high praise at the sports book. You could almost you could almost make the case maybe they they're putting that there for some sort of strategic reason to think that that's low when in all actuality it's high. I mean, I, I would lean receptions. It's not there. So I'll go touchdowns. I'll I'll trust your eyeballs and take over five and a half tugs. I don't love it, but again, you don't sign a historic deal with someone and he thinks not going to get looks. So his numbers are, I imagine going to match what the money was. So I expect him to have a career year. I'll, I'll go over five and a half tugs here for your boy T hot. Yeah. I think I like that a little more as well. What was the the yardage number you said again? Was 750 750 and a hook and you know his his highest year was 2020 in Detroit was 723 I'm looking at 367 583 um but again I did misread that because that's split with seven games in Detroit and and 10 games in Minnesota so 395 plus 519 does get you over at 914 so that's interesting that he did take that leap, but prior to that, had not gone over that number in his three other seasons in Detroit. Yeah, I think I think I leaned the touchdowns with you there. So, so you got TJ Hawkinson for the Vikings. Okay, let's continue this. Let's see, what do I want to give you now? All right, we'll get a. You've done a, a great job, here. by the way. Great job as. <laughs> thank you. Thank as, you. We'll get a little the, crazy here. The uh, the Lions and the Panthers. Look like they're the only big cat teams here <laughs> out of the NFC teams we have. Between And Jared Goff and Bryce Young both have pressure on them in different ways. One's a number one pick. We'll see how he adjusts to the league. Jared Goff, uh, we know Detroit's the favorite to win the NFC North. They've never won the NFC North, Monica. 1993 was the last division title the Lions have. It was the NFC Central. Holy. It's been 30 years since the Lions have a division title. Actually, let's That's go. Great. Let's just go with the Lions. Let's just go. We'll stay in the NFC North. Jared Goff. Is there any prop for him that you're liking this season? If you can't find a Goff one, 
I'd like to hear Amon Ross St. Brown, his number one target. So between that connection, what you got for me? Wow. Um, I am pretty high on Jared Goff this season, Paul. I mean, this is a guy that, again, and I'm repeating myself a little bit from the NFC North episode, but this is a guy that could have crumbled after his ex went on to a better marriage. Uh, I mean, literally, you get snubbed. You're the number one guy, number one guy in the draft. You underwhelm, you underperform. You don't do enough of a job. Well done to be kept. One, two, three, five seasons. They gave him on the ramps before they called it. That's a lot of time in today's 2023 attention span, especially in the NFL where, you know, Mark Sanchez has said it best. You know, they used to babysit guys getting drafted into the league and him coming in that, that USC to New York thrusted into the lion's den, pun intended here. That, that was an anomaly back then. Now it's like you get drafted first round, you're in and you got to figure it out. You're one or you're on your Colt McCoy. I'm looking at, Jared Goff's career year last year. Career year, Paul, 29 tugs, seven interceptions. Now, two trains of thought here. Career high in touchdowns. 20, uh, excuse me, career uh, second best career year in touchdowns. He had 32, 2018. 29 on the tug market. He's sitting at 24 and a half. I'm looking at this Lions offense. I can't possibly imagine they repeat on the ground the numbers they did last year. I mean, for Goff to get 29 tugs and Jamal Williams to have 17, and there was still some for Swift to eat off of, that's a lot of running game touchdowns to to, to lower Goff from easily having a 30-touchdown year. I got two trains of thought here. I'll throw it to you for your two cents. I love over 24 and a half, juiced at minus 136. I think 25 touchdowns is a more than fair number. Again, he's got real assets on that offense, but he's also taken fairly good care of the football in his last two seasons since he's gotten to, to Detroit. Only 15 interceptions in two seasons. This is a guy that had a 16 interception 2019, a 13 interception 2020. Could we make the case? Under 10 and a half interceptions for JG is a better bet than over 24 and a half tutties. What say you? I think you can. I think this Lions offense is going to be really good next season, but 24 and a half, man, he's, he had a good year last year. They do bring in Jameer Gibbs now, David Montgomery as well. I like, I like the under interceptions. But actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back on it. I'll go over 24 and a half touchdowns. A lot of people expect a jump from the Lions' offense. They'll get Jameson Williams back uh, round week seven, I believe. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is gonna have a great season as well. If Jared Goff continues on the trajectory that he's been on, especially those final ten games, uh, he should get to close to 30 touchdowns. So 24 and a half does feel a little low to me. Yeah, I don't. I can't sit here and and want to bet an interception prop, so I I would <laughs> I, I would lean over touchdowns. Um, way more fun to root for offense than that, root that's, against. That's where my brain started going as I was like, yeah, I, I guess we could go interceptions, but you, know, you could have slip up games here or there. Look, whatever. Whenever he plays the Vikings defense, just go over on yards. It's that's that's an easy way to to, to win bets. Period in the NFL this year. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you on uh I'm with you on JG over 24 and a half, baby. Let's dance. 
Okay, this one this one gets very specific. In fact, it's just an individual bet. Uh, and I don't think you'll ever see this one coming. So we're a little bit of research will have to be done here. James wow. Connor. Oh God. <laughs> James Connor. No, I have a very specific bet. So so this is really just which way you lean on it, period. I, you, I did not start not a- my morning. I did not start my <laughs> NFL morning and think we'd be talking about James Connor, one of the worst for me draft picks in the history of my fantasy football career. One of the worst. Yeah, I came on it. I came on at the end of last season. All right, dude. I don't want to hear. I hate the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) I hate it. We have we're hitting every team. We have we have to hit the Cardinals. I know, I know, I know. Can I not try to give you upside on Hollywood Brown? You really gotta have me talk to James Connor. No, no, I want I want your boy James Connor here. Wow, this is this is a crazy one. All right. James Conner, 120 plus rush yards in any regular season game is plus 100 currently on DraftKings. What do you think about that? He did it. He hit 120 once against the Chargers last year. The next closest game was 85 yards against the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Which way do you lean? I know you haven't given this much thought. Can you get what you know what I'm doing? I'm typing in. PFF, and I'm looking at how bad this offensive line is. And I have already passed halfway through the league, and I do not see Arizona Cardinals. I am now passing 20 in the 20s looking for the Arizona Cardinals. I am now passing 25th on the league. Arizona Cardinals per PFF. Oh my gosh. They're the second worst. Second worst ranked line per PFF, down seven from last year. Rookie Paris Johnson Jr., the only hope for humanity in the Arizona Cardinal world this year. I mean, honestly, I can't believe they snubbed McCoy like that. I No, dude, I'm swiping left on this. I want nothing to do. With James Conner going, you said over 125, 125, 120, 120, I believe in one game, 120 in one game, 120 plus in any regular season game. He had it once last year and he hit 120 against my chargers last year. One of the worst run D's from last year. And he had to have 25 carries. That's the thing here, Paul. He only had over 20 carries one time last year. Let's look at the the Cardinals depth chart here to see who could potentially take away. Oh, man, I'm starting to look at some of these bets we can have going forward. I I think we're going to have some fun over the next 20 minutes here. Keontae Ingram and the Mercado. I'm saying no, man. I'm saying no. I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I, I got I'm sorry, my guy, JC, but 31st offensive rank line didn't even get over 20 carries more than twice. I'm out. I'm under it. I'm under it. The, the Arizona Cardinals, if you could remember the movie Click with Sandler, fast forward. Oh, yeah. If they, they could just go ahead and do us all a favor and fast forward through 14 losses to save us all red zone bandwidth, do us all a favor, Arizona. You're screwing everybody. That backed you. And it's a great sports town. I went there first, the Super Bowl. We were there. I mean, come on. Great sports town. All-time snub. 
for, for this Cardinals team that used to have Kurt two gloves Warner with Larry Fitz at the helm tackling James Harrison in the Super Bowl at the one. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing in Arizona? I do not contest that they have a plan. I am off James Conner. Oh, your I can tell you the hit. plan. You know what's funny? The Your boy hit the over on unders. The over was set at half point five. Will Monaco go one under on the program? And you just teed me up for an under. Scuba Steve <laughs> under for James Conner. Thank God we don't have to talk to Cardinals anymore. Oh, we, we know the plan, though. In Arizona, it's Caleb Williams. He's playing. He's playing on Saturdays right now. That that's the plan for the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, <laughs> let's see I here. It. I want to go. I want to stick. You know, I think Sean's still listening. Our our boss and Sean knows that nothing gets ratings up like talking Cardinals and Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Sean's Sean's gonna hate this. Okay, the Buccaneers. Regular season division wins is at two and a half right now. That's the line. Over is plus 100, under minus 130. They have the Saints twice, the Falcons twice, and the Panthers twice. Are they winning three of those games, Monaco? Oh, my God. <laughs> Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE insurance for this one, man. I mean... Goodness gracious, they're six and a half total wins, depending where you shop, and two and a half in the division. I'm trying to pull off. I'm trying to look up. <laughs> Here's Sean. They- I just changed the channel. He's had <laughs> enough. <laughs> I, you know, he's really big on the Falcons this year. Let me I just know. see what their number is in Atlanta for division. We we will have I will have to ping Sean. I do want to get Sean on talking some hot takes with us. So I do I do want to see his rationale on and Collins talked about it on the herd too. I mean, I, I'm almost perplexed at eight and a half wins. I'm not saying the offense can't hum. I don't understand what's going on defensively down there. I don't. Panthers, oh, excuse me, Bucks, eight and nine, five and four at home. I'm trying to see what they did in the division last year. Um you know what? The Saints own them. So I expect them going 0-2 against the Saints. I mean, the Saints own them when Brady was rocking, driving the pirate ship. I'm going to go under, man. I'm going to go under. I think this is the worst team in the division. I think Baker's in the booth, as per Collins thought, by the end of the season. I'm rooting for Baker. I actually hope I'm wrong. But worst run game in the league. Worst run game in the league, playoff Lenny, somewhere in Del Boca Vista. I, I mean, I, I just, who the hell knows how much a Hall of Famer, greatest of all time, was holding that ship together. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean 5 down there. I'm changing the channel with Sean. I'm going under 2.5. Okay, so you are out on the Buccaneers. You have the Saints winning the division, correct? All day, baby. All day! Okay, so... Let's knock out one more team in the NFC South here. If you have the Saints winning the division, you can bet on the top two in the NFC South. Saints Uh-oh. and Falcons plus 145 or Saints and Panthers plus 215. Oh, man. You know what? We've already inked it. I, I, ha- I, have, to, I have to unfortunately be pro Falcons here for this. I just hate their defense. 
on so many levels. I pray Calais Campbell's got a little juice left in that uh, in that unbelievable tank of his. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Saints and Falcons. The value's nice on Saints and Panthers. There's so much turnover in Carolina. They, we don't even know what Sanders and and Chuba are gonna do. Uh, I just I, I think this. You got a top three running game from last year with again a, a double down on what they do well. I like someone doing what no one else is doing, whether it's the NBA whether it's the NFL, et cetera. The Falcons are doubling down on what they do well. Carolina doesn't have an identity yet. At least Atlanta has an identity. I'd bet on that, um, despite the defensive woes. I'll go Saints and Falcons for the for the less value, but probably the correct non-emotional purchase. Okay. Uh, I like that. I, I think that's the right call. It's Panthers also have a tough schedule, and Bryce Young coming out of rookie season, like you said earlier, not a lot of weapons for him. I think Adam Thielen actually could be a nice fantasy steal for some people. He'll get a lot of red zone looks like I was I saying agree. last year he did. Yeah. Okay, so you got the Saints and the Falcons there. Let's go over. I want to find something with the Dallas. We're working our way, by the way. We got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, we got, we only got six teams left, baby. Yeah, and I'd like to hit on the Dallas Cowboys now. Wow. I love, oh, I love, real quick, I just love for Vikings Paul strategically could be subconsciously not given any face time to the green Bay Packers on the program. <laughs> We're 50 minutes in here and we have no mention of the green and, Bay. Packers. And we've, and we've hit I the entire it. NFC I North it. and we've hit the entire <laughs> NFC North. We did. I have we not, did. I have not said the, uh, the team. You haven't said a bad word. That's a bad word in Minnesota. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, we don't. We By don't the way, is Minnesota, someone with some uh, dental hygienist was telling me not to completely go off the rails here that there's something called Minnesota Nice. Have you heard this? There is Minnesota Nice. Yes. What uh, does that mean? That means if you're not born and raised there, that they don't, they're not all inclusive with you. Like you're kind of on the outskirts of the cul de sac, so to speak. Is that what that means? Well, I don't know. We could have someone correct us if we're wrong. I'm sure someone will, but. Minnesota nice, I thought, was just that people from Minnesota are genuinely nice people. Oh, see, I thought it was a little L. I thought I heard, and again, you got to be so compliant when you're in the dentist chair. So <laughs> you're not dissing. I'm not Larry David on a curb episode. You can't really so talk trying back to clap back at my dentist. Yeah, <laughs> no chance. But yeah, she was saying she was from, this woman was from Wisconsin, where everybody is nice. And she lived in Minnesota. And Minnesota. I actually even said she even said she uh, babysat Burleson's kids a little bit there, and so she was sort of in the football world. She's like, "Yeah, I knew two neighbors on my cul-de-sac. We lived there for eleven years." Um, then she told me what Minnesota Nice was. So, who knows? Minnesota we could Google nice. it. I'm just curious. A, I Sean may know more than us. A cultural stereotype applied to the behavior of people from Minnesota and occasionally Wisconsin, implying residents are unusually courteous, reserved, and mild-mannered compared to people from other states. So there you go. So how would it's you? How would you inter- so, yeah, so, so how would you interpret nice. un- unusually courteous? Un- yeah, yeah. Not not just nice. Unusually nice. So then, she actually gave me the Costanza opposite. That it is that they're overly nice. Because again, I I went to the Sky Mall of America. I was in Minnesota, freezing my, you know what, off for a week in the Super Bowl week. I remember that was the week I'll never forget. We're in a mall. 
and it was when Alex Smith got traded to Washington and it was time for Patrick Mahomes to insert himself. That's how long I've been going to Radio Rose. And I remember Mahomes walking around this tiny little radio row. I'm going, wow, this Patrick Mahomes guy is the talk of the Super Bowl week. And that was my experience in Minnesota. Gotta be honest, people could not have been nicer. So I I would say that my experience there was not hers, but you know, good to, good to do a little research on the show here, a little side pop culture as we hop back in. All right. You know what? Let's just rip the band-aid off. Well, let's just let's get to the Packers <laughs> here. While we're on ah! while we're on the Minnesota, Wisconsin topic. Jordan loves the new quarterback there. Some people think yeah. he's going to be the next Hall of Famer. Some people think, like myself, he's going to bust. You know, or maybe I just hope he's going to bust. I can't deal with another another 15 years of, of dominance. It's absurd. <laughs> Jordan Love. Can you find me a prop on Jordan Love over under? Let's go, let's go yardage if you if you happen to like that one. Jordan Love so passing yards. It's 33. It's 3,300 and a hook. Um and now, look, I know I'm putting you in a tough spot because we have nothing to work off of. This is completely based on your expectations for him. Right. So walk me through that. What are you what are you expecting from a Jordan Love this year? And which way would you lean on? the? I mean, first thing I do is 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 even though it was Rodgers last year, I do want to go back and see how their passing offense was with the two new weapons, Dobbs and Watkins, um, and, and see how that turnover was. The, the guy that Aaron Rodgers did not take to Applebee's to hang out at all last year with unlike going uh gallivanting all over Broadway and 42nd street with Garrett Wilson, Lazard and the boys. So they sat on the passing chart. Fascinatingly right in the middle of the pack. I can't even fathom that Aaron Rodgers was throwing 213 pass yards a game. Now we go do the math equation of the, the 3,300 divided by 17 that lands on a lily pad of 194 a game. Am I sitting here doing quick math saying that 213 number, was it 216, 213? That 213 number minus 194, that's a 19-yard that's a discrepancy from Jordan Love just doing 19 yards less per game to hit over that number. Uh, that just letting you know where my maniac mind goes real quick. I'm saying there's a lot of numbers being thrown around right now. Yeah, probably makes no sense what I'm doing, but I'm just seeing where Rodgers was per game last year versus the number that the shops hung. They're asking him to get about 194, 195 comfortably a game. I, I, they, I mean. If they had one running back and not two, I really thought you were going to team me up for Aaron or AJ. I have them both pulled up. 825 and a hook for Aaron Jones and 625 and a hook for AJ Dillon. I'm not, I'm, I would go under again. I'm really, you're really hitting the, uh, the prop bet of the Monaco unders here on the show because I'm an overs guy. I, I got to go under. Um, I think a lot of babysitting goes on. We've watched a little bit of preseason uh, with Jordan Love tape. I'm not saying he doesn't have the ability to make special throws. I don't see them. I, I see him under a vo very choreographed, orchestrated offensive game plan and really, really hammering those two guys in the backfield to try to move the chains more so than him stretching the ball. Now, Watson has a playmaking ability. I like this Reed guy. Um, I'm going to go under, man. I don't think Jordan Love comes out the gate 
and blows anybody out of the water on the stats sheet. I think he can go out and manage games, win time of possession, win field possession, and run and and run to run some more. I got to go under, man. I see a lot of PA rollouts, a lot of curl routes, a lot of if you're playing a really good player in Madden, you don't want to roll out, stretch the field, try to hit a deep post with the risk of a turnover. I think they're going to be safe with him. Uh, A little house arrest, if you will. Don't go too far out of the neighborhood, Jordan Love. We don't want to get in trouble. I got to go under. What say you? And you, that number was 3,300 and a half that you're getting? Um, I believe it was 30, yes, 3,300 and a hook. Let me double check because I got off the screen. Yeah. Okay, 3,300 and the hook. Not a big number. It's not a big number. Yeah, I I can see him actually. This this is what really sucks. It's And Sean says Minnesota nice means you're a little too nice, like to the point you're okay with getting screwed or taken advantage of. Wow. So So I look at. My dentist trying to make me swipe left on the Midwest. Everyone just wants to meet a nice person from the Midwest, whether it's a mate or a friend. I mean, that's how I've always believed. Midwest is right there with the South. Nicest of nice people. So that's good to know. Appreciate the clear up. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, someone who's out West for a little while, my sister in Wisconsin, she always says people out West are nice, but not kind. And people on the East are kind, but not nice. Meaning like in the, on the East coast, someone will hold the door open for you, but they'll be like, hurry along. Come on, come on, come on. But uh, out West and in the Midwest, they'll hold the door to be nice, but they really, you know, like they, they aren't too kind at heart. You know, well, that's that makes funny, sense? Cause I got, I got a New York dad and LA mom and our, our family saying it's, it's not ours originated, of course, but it's like in New York, they say, screw you. They really mean have a nice day in LA. They say, exactly. have a nice day. Exactly. They really mean screw you. Now, exactly. to me, I'm New York numb. I came in San Diego, nice and, and pleasant in New York, saying hi to people, making eye contact. Now I, I'm Snickers hangry when I get on the subway. I'm all business on the streets, pedestrian. I, I mean, all I got left in my athleticism is Barry Sanders walking moves in these streets. So I'm I I think to your sister's point, she's spot on with that. But we'll we'll still co-sign that the Midwest, the nicest part of the <laughs> the country as far as manners. But back to Jay Love, I still go under. I, I still want to go under. But I'm again, gonna go over. These are, I'm gonna these go are over. Wings. Oh, we got a little bet off on the program. Let's go. Look, I'm not I'm not going to bet on it because I don't want to root for Jordan Love. But if if I had to pick from what I've seen from his limited time in regular season games, preseason, I know it's just preseason, but he has attributes that you like. He's six foot four. He can move well, throws, uh, he puts speed on the ball. Like I, I'm starting to kind of come around on Jordan Love, not to be a Hall of Famer, like his predecessors, but I do like him to have a good year. I can see him coming in at about 3,500. So that 33 and a, and a hook, I would go over, unfortunately. If it's under, great, great. But I'm going to go with the Speaking over. of unders, I, I should have gone under in Yankees-Tigers because the Yankees have no runs through seven here. Back to football. Unbelievable. Yeah, what, uh, what else is new? What else is new? Okay. Oh, I like this one here. Okay. NFC East. We've done the Eagles. But I don't think any eagle should really come into play here. Yeah. Rushing yards leader for the NFC East in 2023. Saquon Barkley is plus 150. Tony Pollard is plus 160. 
and Brian Robinson Jr. of the Commanders is plus 550. We could go on from there, but there's Hertz is plus 700, so we go down. Of those oh three guys, I'm assuming you're not going to take Brian Robinson Jr. So Barkley <laughs> or Pollard to lead the NFC East in rushing yards. Again, Barkley plus 150, Pollard plus 160. I That is shocking, the upside they see in Pollard. Pollard is, is, is not a bell cow back. Am I back in the biggest thighs in the history of the running back position, or am I back in a guy that broke his damn near thigh in a playoff game against the Niners? I mean, Tony Pollard, when it comes to durability, I'm not saying Saquon is an injury prone. We've seen him get banged up. And yes, only only caveat would be that you're running behind a significantly better offensive line in Dallas. I think Deuce Fawn's interesting as a change of pace back. Again, they're going to pass the ball a lot more than they have in the past. And Zeke, believe it or not, had a relatively productive touchdown year last year. But I mean, career highs across the board for Saquon, at least as far as output. I mean, to think that he got 295 carries last year, Paul, career high, finally stayed healthy, 16 games played, thirteen over 1,300 yards. And not since his 2018 rookie year has he gone over 1,300. Really only had one other 1,000-yard season. 4.4 on the ground, 10 tutty, 68-yard longest run, second longest of his career. I just, you got to go Saquon. Take the best running back. Take the bell cow back here. And they, this has to be mentioned, they signed him to a one-year tender. There's no security blanket. He has to go out and put his best thigh forward again. <laughs> but I'm going with I'm going with Saquon. I'm shocked that it's almost a pick between him and Pollard. I mean, what am I missing there? I don't think you're missing anything. I, I like Saquon a lot to, to lead the NFC East in rushing yards. And Pollard, too. What I want to see as we continue on during the season, I know you love Deuce Vaughn probably more than most people, but will they <laughs> work more zero people in? I'm in zero in my leagues, too. Yeah, I'm in yeah. zero in my leagues. I'm so upset. Well, Pollard's a little smaller. He'll probably do a lot of pass catching work, too. Will he be able to take on that load? I, I, I'd imagine he can as the number one running back, um, but we haven't Here's seen it thing. before. Here's the thing, Paul. I'm looking at it right now. Pollard had one game. One game and went to overtime over over 20 carries one game single carry dude almost more often than double digit carries it's you not have his yardage in that game uh 22 carries 115 yards 5.2 <laughs> per i mean when he gets the ball he makes a lot happen with it he does he does but again let's not forget this is a guy that got to feast like a wr2 like Thielen in some in some example here because JJ IE Zeke was the RB1 and he came in as the change of pace back. It's a lot different when you're not the understudy on Broadway and it's all eyes on you. Shout out uh not Marissa Tomei, who's the woman? Bet Midler Seinfeld episode. Excellent episode by the <laughs> way. The the understudy. Okay, let's uh we got a couple more teams here. Left we have the 49ers, I believe still. The Cowboys, the Commanders, and the Panthers. So four left. I mean, this number jumps out at me. Sam Howell plus ten thousand to lead the league in passing yards. This, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would like to stay on the Commanders, though. Is there a oh, particular yeah. player, Terry McLaurin? I, I know he's dealing with an injury right now. If you were inclined to bet on someone on the Commanders right now, would it be McLaurin? Or are you leaning more towards Howell, probably? 
oh, it's McLaurin today, tomorrow, and the next day. Um, I got a embarrassing stat for the Commanders. Um, so so McLaurin's off the books because of the injury, but he was at nine hundred receiving yards and a hook minus one twelve on the over. I have it here from earlier this summer. And you look at his four years in the league, 919, 1118, 1053, 1191, with, with who even thrown him the football. So the guy is like D-Hop, lower version, because he's not as much of a playmaker as D-Hop, but D-Hop in Houston, doesn't matter who's throwing to him, he's going to get the ball. Got to make mention that the enemy on the play calling helm has got to add value there. And... You know, you you watched a little bit of it, and I think it was first stringers versus third stringers in that Ravens streak that they ended in that that fun little uh, Maryland rivalry over there between Washington, um, not in Maryland, but you know what I mean that 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 area of the the country. Yeah, this Commanders offense is inept. I I, I got it right here. They were seventh in D in points allowed and third in yards against. 26th overall in turnover ratio, the Washington franchise, three team names since 2012. They have not gone over. Really, really hear this. 20, uh, they have not had a top 10 offense since 2012 in points or yards and never ranked higher than 23rd under Ronnie Rivera. I mean, wow. talk about three blind mice on the offensive side. The only person I want to bet on and the only person I want to draft from the Washington Commanders is Scary Terry. I'm going with Terry all day. Feel very okay. good about over 900. So let me ask you this real quick. Terry McLaurin to record eight plus, so eight or more regular season games with 75 or more receiving yards sits at minus 110 right now. I'm looking last season. It looks like he did it one, two, three, four five, six, seven times. And he came extremely close with 73 yards once, 74 yards once, and 70. So he very easily could have had that number up to 10. Yeah. Do you like that a little bit? If you like him to you know, skyrocket past 900 yards receiving on the year, let's assume he, let's pretend he's healthy. At minus 110, is that worth a sprinkle? Maybe. Um, I think, I think Jahan Dotson steps up a little more. I don't know. I'd be a little more comfortable with taking almost over 300 yards of the number we're getting this year from last year with 1191 than I am. I mean, I'm looking at some of these games and you just have to remind yourself it's the Washington offense. I mean, that loss to Dallas in October, 15 yards receiving. Is that a 25-yard receiving game, 55. I mean, sometimes they just fall off a cliff on offense. I actually kind of believe in Howell. I've kind of changed my tune with the commanders a little bit. I think there's value in over six and a half wins. Don't expect them to do anything crazy. But again, if they can stay healthy on D, they, they've they been drafting serviceably on defense for quite a while. Chase Young's done them no favors with the health. But I'd probably still, still steer clear of that number just because it looks like it could go either way. Uh, again, I do like Howell's upside, but I would just go over 900. Okay. So you got Terry McLaurin over 900 and the hook, right? And the hook receiving yards? Yes. Yes, sir. That may change with the injury, but yeah, that's what yeah, it was. At we'll the see. We'll see what happens there. Okay. This one seems pretty straightforward to me. I, I The San Francisco 49ers, 
to win four and a half division games over four and a half is plus 135 right now. I'm looking at the NFC West, Monaco, and I see the Rams with the worst defense in football, the Cardinals with the worst team in football, and a Seahawks team that really didn't play with them at all last season. That feels like a five and one record is very doable in San Francisco in the NFC West. What do you say about that? Oh, man. I mean, let's just do this pick quick like uh, Will Ferrell, keg stand in old school, baby. 10 and 0 as a home favorite last year, including the playoffs. Did not lose a game in the division. 6 and 0. First time Shanahan has swept the division. Griffin door sweep. Pick a Harry Potter house. I got to go over, over, over. 5 and 1. Seattle steals one. That's it. Sweep the Rams. Sweep cards split with the the Pete Carroll bubblegum chewing Seahawks five and one in the division slamming them to win the NFC West I don't buy for a second that this team is not winning the West I I, I, Seahawks can be a wild card team again cute story forget about it easy over bet all right let's go to the Panthers we have the Panthers and the Cowboys left let's do Carolina first it's got to be on Bryce Young here. I'm taking a look at different bets we have on Bryce. Over 3,200 and a hook uh, passing yards. That's on the board here. Let me just look at the Carolina win total for this season as well. That's coming in at seven and a half. Um, what do you think of those two? 3,200 and a hook passing yards for Bryce Young. Seven and a half win total for Carolina. Yeah, I think... I think eight and nine is is realistic. I again I'm 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 pausing on that. I go with the Bryce Young passing yards. I said that stat in that I forget which episode, it might have been the NFC South episode about how only Andrew Luck has gone over the seven win total for number one overall quarterbacks drafted. And that includes five quarterbacks, a couple of them being T Law, Murray, Winston, et cetera. So I am worried about that. A lot of turnover too. I do believe in Frank Reich as a quarterback whisperer. You know, we talked it out a little bit um, on the top 10 prop episodes. And the thing that I love with DraftKings is that they have those head-to-head bets. So I love that head-to-head bet of Bryce Young to out yard CJ Stroud at minus 120. But I mean, 28th in the passing department at 190 per last year. Not great. 16th ranked O-line per PFF last year. I mean, 80 tugs in his passing career, 48 and 3,300. To me, you you can't be more prepped for the league than being a quarterback in the SEC. Now, again, he did have the top-tier talent across the board, but a special guy. I mean, to come in as a freshman and start, I mean, how many quarterbacks in the history of Alabama Nick Saban situations have had that? So I'm not going to go against the grain and against history with that first overall draft pick getting the eight win margin. I'm more comfortable with, with Bryce hitting over that number. And again, off a 190 pass yard per game, they get a little bit more stable. I do like a couple of these pieces that he's throwing to. I think Thielen could be an excellent security blanket. I'm going to go over on the passing yards for Bryce Young. I actually feel relatively good about it. What say you? Yeah, I think I'm okay with that. Off the top of my head, 3,200. Yeah, I could see him coming in around that. Again, closer to maybe 3,500, 3,400. So 
I'm 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 with you there. I think Thielen will be big for him, a nice security blanket, like you said. DJ Chark will need to step up. Uh, Jonathan Mingo as a rookie coming in, he could be someone to take the top off the defense. Uh, yeah, I, I'm okay with 3,200. It's uh, it's not going to be a great year in Carolina. I'd actually go under on the seven and a half. I think they come in at about six wins this year. So not a great season, but they're uh, they're one of those teams that'll improve for 2024. Okay, we have one more team left. That's the Dallas Cowboys. And real quick, before we get to them, I just saw this. Uh, Yeah, last but not least, uh, I did see on their most improved team for this year. Then you might be interested in this. The Chicago Bears are plus two ten from three and fourteen last year to most improved to division winners. In your opinion, that could be something that you might want to take a look at, Monaco, and anyone else who's bullish on the Bears uh, for whatever crazy reason you're you're bullish on the Bears. And uh, of course, I just have to mention seventeen and zero perfection Vikings plus twenty thousand could be worth a little sprinkle. Okay, oh the yeah, I know. I'm sorry, I had to get that in there. Division specials. Let's go to the NFC East receiving leaders to lead the NFC East in receiving yards. CD Lamb is plus one sixty. I'm looking at wow. AJ Brown. And Devontae Smith is the biggest threats. I know you like McLaurin, but McLaurin's much more likely to come in about a thousand to eleven hundred than to have an explosive year and go thirteen, fourteen hundred like Lamb could do and probably should this year. Do you like that yeah. bet, that value of plus one sixty for Lamb to lead the NFC East? Absolutely. Um, top four offense, number one Cowboys red zone on offense 71 and some change on TD conversion from last year. I know Kellen Moore's gone. This is a process of elimination bet. You have one in 1A in Philly. I mean, Devontae Smith is not much of a drop-off from A.J. Brown. I'm looking at A.J. Brown last year. He did have a monstrous year, but 145 targets again with all the weapons they have in Philly. You know, you look at the Dallas receiving room. We'll see how Cook sticks. But, you know, they were so comfortable moving off of Amari Cooper the year before last, knowing that CD was going to come in and and be the one. And 156 targets, over 100 receptions last year. He goes up damn near 30 receptions from the year prior. A couple hundred more yards. His average has been 12.6 per catch minimum. I, I mean, you can go tit for tat, A.J. Brown and C.D., but the reality is one team has two much better one-two uh, one punch at wide receiver in Philly than we're sitting here staring at in Dallas. Not to mention Dalton Schultz is gone, and Dalton Schultz ate a lot last year. I think out the gate, CD gets enough of a lead in this category with the combo of Terry hurting his ankle or his foot. I, I Obviously, no one in... <laughs> The uh, Madden 77 and below wide receiver room for the New York Giants is going to make this conversation. I-, I would have to take the value here and the plus money at CD. Again, you know, I took him in our our fantasy draft episode, number one and 10 overall. He is going a little bit before A.J. Brown in most mocks. I got to go process of elimination, A, B, C, D, Lamb to close up the pot, the pot. Okay, okay. And not only is Dalton Schultz gone from Dallas, but Dallas Goddard is now healthy in Philadelphia. So that's another target for Jalen Hurts and another person to take away targets potentially 
from AJ Brown, who will still definitely get his fair share. Last year, he had, it looks like about 140 more receiving yards than CD, which is yeah. kind of crazy because, I mean, AJ Brown was fourth in the league in receiving yards last year. I don't think a lot of people would realize that off the top of their head. It's just a fantastic season in his debut with Philly. But I like for the exact reasons you said, I'm with you on CD. I have him in fantasy as well. So, yeah. And just out of curiosity, I did, I did throw up Cooper's numbers out last year. He did play 15 games in 2021. Um, you know, the fact that CD was able to put up the numbers he did the last year, Cooper was there and still get 79 receptions on 120 targets comparatively to 68 receptions and 104 targets for Cooper. I, I mean, it's just a second year of CD lamb being the guy and the way Michael Irvin talks about him, shout out on disputed Richard Sherman on the volume pod network, killing it. It's just only a handful of guys have been number 88 there. He is that guy. And I think he takes another leap. I got to take that plus money value all day with CD. And is this just the match race, in your opinion, between Brown and CD? Because Devontae Smith quietly had 1,200 yards last year. I know. I know. I, I think it's just splitting the numbers there with Philly and the two wide receivers. I'll take one guy. Again, this is a race to the most yards. It's like, how do you not say to your point, which is a great thought with Goddard healthier this year, that they're not going to be a little more balanced with spreading the wealth. And in Dallas, Zeke gone, Schultz gone, Gallup injury prone, Kirk uh, Cook's working his way in. I, I got I got to go with, with the clear-cut number one probably volume player here as far as targets and overall receptions here uh, with, with Lamb. Got it. Okay. Yeah, four of the top 10 receiving yards leaders in the NFL last year from the NFC East and Brown, Lamb, Smith, and McLaurin. Watch uh, Jalen Hyatt come out of nowhere for the Giants. There's Daniel hey, Jones, he did. I did 6,000 yards. I know. I did see him swoop Odell's number. Big <laughs> matzo ball, Jerry. Big matzo Okay, ball. so Monaco, I can run through these real quick. It was, we were all over the place, but that was a lot of fun. In the NFC fun. North, a lot of fun. you have Hawkinson over five and a half touchdowns. Packers, Jordan Love under 33 and a half passing yards. Lions, Jared Goff, 24 and a half touchdowns. You're on the over. Justin Fields, over 800 and a half rushing yards. Yep. Pretty good there in the NFC North. 49ers, over four and a half wins in the NFC West. Is that potentially your best bet of this entire thing? Man, I mean, I'm looking at all of our bets. I don't know how that's not a slam dunk. I, I mean, unless Purdy hits a true sophomore slump or he's got a serious pitching injury and might not be the same guy. Again, that's just a team that can win without a name at quarterback. And you can't say that about more than three teams in this league, um, barely more than two. So yeah, might be my favorite bet. Then we have Jackson Smith and Jigba way back in the beginning, over 650 and a half receiving yards. Cooper Cup, 1225 and a hook. You're on the over We'll see if he and Matthew Stafford can stay healthy. Cardinals, you said emphatically no on James Conner having one game with 120 or more rushing yards. In no the chance. NFC East, Saquon to lead the division in rushing, CD to lead the NFC East in receiving yards. Jalen Hurts wow. rushed touchdowns over 10 and a half. McLaurin, we're still not sure what's happening, but last we saw was 900 and a hook receiving yards. You're also on the over. And then to everyone's favorite, 
the NFC South, Derek Carr, 37 and a half passing or 3,700 and a half passing yards over Falcons. You said Saints and Falcons to finish one, two Bryce Young over 3,200 and a hook for passing yards and the Bucks under 2.5 division wins. What a show. What a show. Great job co-piloting that enjoyable. I mean, we hit what? No commercials on Netflix for Seinfeld episodes right there. I mean, if you're not having fun with this stuff, then you don't like sports gambling. I mean, that was so much fun. <laughs> I had a blast. And we get to do it again for the with AFC. The AFC. Yep. Yep. We get to run it back. Run it back. Hey, appreciate Paul. Paul Farrington show. Moneyline Monaco. Alex Monaco for our boss, Sean, on AMP. Don't forget to follow us. Rate, review. Goes a long way. NFC prop shop fire drill. All reading and reacting on props. That was not planned. I had no idea what was happening. I think we did a pretty good job, got to be honest. Um, fly, fly, shoot from the hip right there. And we got AFC on deck. So make sure you check us out for the next show, doing the same thing on the much more compelling conference. All myself. Don't forget to hug your mothers. See you next The volume.